and welcome to In the Beginning. My name's James Troopany, and joining me today is Christy. How are you? Hi. Uh, actually, kind of okay, because it was a very easy day for me today at school, <laughs> at work. So I'm feeling excited. Excellent. This is our second In the In the Beginning series, where we look at individual moments in history. It could be for a company, it could be for a wrestler, and we're still playing around with our format. So this will be the second and final free episode before we move it to a Patreon project later in the year. Today, we are looking at Minoru Suzuki and the making of the king. We're going to look at three or four matches from his career and discuss our feelings about Minoru Suzuki, both as a wrestler, a little bit about his MMA career, because really this is a wrestling podcast, but we understand one thing plays into the other, and about the character of Minoru Suzuki and the depth of his wrestling influence. Christy, what were your first thoughts when you first saw Minoru Suzuki? I thought he was terrifying. Like, <laughs> I, I went in, into this knowing that he was terrifying. Like, before you even see a wrestler, you, you can hear about him on the timeline on Twitter or on YouTube or you kind of have a feeling for the guy. And all I knew about him was that he was terrifying and I should never piss him off. And yes. then I saw him for the first time and I'm like, I was like, yeah, that guy is terrifying. <laughs> that guy <laughs> is really scary. Um, that, that was my first impression. Terrifying. Yes, I think that pretty much sums it up. The, the perfect example of what I think is really sums up Minoru Suzuki was one of the descriptions of him, which I think is the best description of any wrestler ever, which was the man with the worst personality in the world, yeah. which is just, this is just it. He is just as a wrestling character, awful. He hates everything and he hates everyone. And as he's, talked about in interviews for New Japan Pro Wrestling, his belief is that pro wrestling is the greatest job on earth because when you're not beating people up, you get to be beat up. What could possibly be any better than that? Yeah, and, and the that... special thing about him also is that he hates everyone and he even kind of hates his own Suzuki Gun members sometimes. Like he's an asshole to them as well. So he literally hates everyone. Yes, and... There are kind of reasons behind that if you look at the arc of his career. Um, but mainly, I think it's kind of an extension for me of that Snake Pit, New Japan, Dojo kind of attitude where he was brought up to believe he was the best at what he did. He was the best in the world. And anyone who could walk into a ring with him should be the best in the world or could be the best in the world. And that snake pit, idea, snake pit idea of you beat them as hard as you possibly can because they might try it to beat you is kind of been, how can I put it, transfigured into this wrestling character. Does that make sense? Mm, it does. You know, the, if you look back at the Billy Robinsons and the Carl Gotches and the Billy Rileys and the guys from Wigan who were how can I put this, a bit arrogant because they were the best submission wrestlers in the world or felt they were and they had the skills to back it up and they broke bones on a regular basis. You can see where Suzuki gets his ideas from, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So for me, he's he's also his character is shaped by the MMA career as well. Yeah, you know the, the I mean the Snake Pit was an MMA environment before MMA yeah. really existed, and a lot of the guys who were really successful in the early stages of MMA, like Suzuki, like Ken Shamrock to an extent. Um, certainly Josh Barnett were all trained in that Wigan tradition Shayla Basler was another person as well and so that idea of the the I think someone described I think I've even made me described it the full court press style of wrestling that Wigan offered is exactly what Minoru Suzuki is like every advantage you can take as quickly as possible <laughs> so yeah, should we look and, at and, sorry, and it's, it's also for me it's so interesting because the character and the person are very different for me. I'm not sure if it is the same for you. But yes. I think the character now, now, not my first impression of him, but now I think the character is terrifying. But the person is actually really lovely. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> he seems like a really sweet guy. And he was so nice to me when I met him. And he collects socks and he watches anime and... He goes out and fishes a lot, and it's just such a nice contrast. But it's also yeah. nice to see that it can still be terrifying as a character, even though you know that the person is really nice. Yeah, that's it. I think I think there are a lot of parallels between him and his close friend, Aja Khan. You know, mm. Aja is one of his mixed tag partners. They wrestle together a lot. They've been friends for a long time. They've wrestled each other in JWP. And... Aja's a, a, a nice lady who likes to go wrestling around the world and have big matches and will take you for 20 minutes and make you look like a complete star because she's one of the biggest names in women's wrestling ever and she's one of the best ever. But she's just a nice person. Who wants to, yeah. She's a terrifying human being when it comes to <laughs> putting it on in the ring, but she, she wants the best for the business. Or she still wouldn't be doing it, would she? It was also so weird. I saw Suzuki one time. I saw him wrestle. Mm. Well, two, two times, but it was a weekend, so it felt like one continuous thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I met him. I had a photo op with him, and he was so nice, and I was so comfortable with him. And he, he was like, hi, and he pulled me into a hug, what kind of, like, arm over the shoulder kind of thing. And yeah. I'm like, this is totally okay. And then when I was in the audience and he came out to wrestle, I was suddenly terrified of him. <laughs> it was really weird, but it's also like he, he, he can switch it on. Yeah. And becomes I, terrifying, becomes a character. I think as well, he switches it on to different degrees when he's wrestling in different promotions. Like yeah, he's different... Yeah. I've written notes about that as well. You know, he's during he's the matches. Like, yeah, I mean, he his character in New Japan is him at his most comedy heel, not comedy, but like comic book heel best, if that makes sense. Also, comedy heel. Yeah, comedy heel too, but like there's a sense of comic bookness to it mm -hmm. about like his. Um, uh, it, it's very much like. How can I put this? He's always plotting to try and overthrow his opponents. There's, there's a lot of thought goes into what he does. Whereas when he, one of my favorite matches of his was him wrestling uh, with 
Joan Kassai, who's another friend of his from his career, and Aja Kong uh, in Oz Academy in a mixed gender tag match, or uh, uh, yeah, mixed gender tag match. And he was kind of a baby face. Like he borrowed Kassai's glasses to jump off the top rope and then just applied a chin lock. Because <laughs> it's Suzuki, he doesn't hit people off the top rope. Um, he'd be climbed to the top, jumped off, and then fall on asleep because that's that's Minoru Suzuki. You know, he he was wrestling almost as a baby face. He was still in his nonchalant, didn't care style. Um, and one of my other favorites was when he was an absolute, absolute heel, like a proper bastard of a heel in another mixed tag match where he was tagging with Mako Satomura, talk about terrifying tag teams, against Kana, who's now I, I've seen that match, and yes. I'm never watching it again, because, oh my God, he, he was really scary in that. And he, yeah. he didn't hold back any, no. any of the people in the match, even his no. own tag team partner. No, Naichi Marafuji was tagging with Kana, and Marufuji and Suzuki were feuding at the time and were at each other's throats. And it was incredibly what you pay Suzuki to do, which is create realism that you don't get anywhere else. And that transferred into Joshi wrestling with Kana and Seki Mako Satomura, the two biggest draws in Joshi at the time, who again, bring realism like nobody else. And it was an incredible way to mix the two worlds, but it was terrifying because Suzuki's it was terrifying. Really brutal. It really was. Yeah, really, oh really my brutal. God. Yes. To the point where Satomura got angry with him. And watching Noiko Satomura stare down Minoru Suzuki is one of the most terrifying things you will ever see. Yeah, like you're being too too rough now. Stop. Yes. Like she was protecting her opponent. Yes. And would clearly have taken his head off had she had chance. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I wouldn't put it past her. But in reality, Meiko Satomura, Minoru Suzuki, both students of Billy Robinson, both actually good mates. And that's the bit you don't get, is he's that good at making you think he is the most evil man in the world. Yeah. When, it's not and, really. <laughs> and he's so good at being evil, but still being fun. Yes. Without turning face. Yes. And I, I will mean, get to that during the, the, the matches that we're discussing. But that's my favorite thing about Suzuki is there are so many um, fans of wrestling are like, oh, heels can't be silly. They'll stop being heels if they're funny. And I'm like, no, look at Suzuki. He's... He's a perfect heel, and he's also hilarious. Yeah, and understands his position in the company, understands his position in the match, and understands yeah. his position on the card. He has the best wrestling IQ of any wrestler I've come across, possibly ever. You know, he knows exactly what to get out of each situation. You may not be a fan of his, but he will make any match you watch better. Yeah, and it's also it's it's for New Japan right now. It's just always amazing to have someone like him there, because yeah. you can just turn him on as it is. Like, um, oh, I need someone for Naito to feud with. Well, Suzuki's looked at him funny today. Let's have that that be the next feud, you yeah. know? Because Suzuki's character is if you just look at me funny or I have a bad day, I'll feud with you, and I'll break your legs. 
Like there's no there's no reason uh, Suzuki doesn't need a reason to no. feud with someone, no. and that's he just will, perfect for a, a promotion. He will go after your go after your wife and children if he needs to to get the job done. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's... even if like he doesn't need a reason either. Like you could have just. No stepped on his towel for example and that would be enough for him to feud yes. with you currently iwimura's existence is the thing that's annoying him the most <laughs> well iwimura is actively trying to fight suzuki though <laughs> like yes which again is just like wait why why would decisions you decisions were made and they were terrible yes but let us go back to the very beginning. Now, unfortunately, we cannot find, because it's not on New Japan World, nor is it anywhere else on YouTube or the various other video providers that you could go to, uh, his first rookie matches as a new young boy in New Japan Pro Wrestling. The earliest footage we can find is from his days in the UWF. And we have recapped his career in various different places in Beginner's Guide to Japan, but we will do it again here just so that you have the complete collection. He was trained by the New Japan Dojo around about 1986. He started his uh, career. That's, by the way, the year I was born. Ah, there you go. You see? You are literally as old as Minoru Suzuki has been wrestling for. (laughs) Cool. Um, He began his career in in the New Japan Dojo under the tutelage of Yoshiaki Fujiwara, and as his years and time went on, it was clear that there was a, going to be a schism once again in the New Japan uh, roster as Nobuyoki Takada and Akira Maeda finally had enough and called it a day by kicking Ricky Chosu's head in. And as they went away, once they'd been fired from the UWF, <laughs> once been fired from New Japan Pro Wrestling, they formed the UWF Reborn. And Minoru Suzuki went with his mentor, Yoshiaki Fujiwara, into a new dojo and prepared for a career in shoot wrestling, which was a completely different style back then. It was much more realistic. It was based much more as an martial arts form. And from the stuff that I've watched before for The Beginner's Guide from UWF and from UWFI and from later PWFG, this is pro wrestling at its most based. It's least characterful. It's most sports orientated. And it's an interesting kind of hybrid wrestling as, well, the term that uh, Suzuki would use to later talk about his next big adventure in Pancras. What's your thoughts on this style before we talk about this match? Because you are the person of all the Troop Benicio crew who really takes the most stock in characters because that's why you enjoy wrestling. And this is theoretically wrestling with no characters at all. So I was intrigued as how you'd react to this. I um I think it helps that I know Suzuki. So that's yes. that's my in for this match. If it had been two random wrestlers I didn't know anything about, I probably probably would have been bored. <laughs> and it feels terrible to say that because I can I can appreciate the level of wrestling going on. Like I can appreciate the moves and how they're executed and this and not the storytelling but what they're trying to achieve i can appreciate all of that but if you ask me to pick out a match it wouldn't be this kind of match no i could understand that i did pick it out partly because well the main reason why we picked it out is because it's the first match it's the earliest match we could find 
And he's kind of already got like the Suzuki style in many ways, like a lot of his signature work is already there. And he kind of, how can I put this? He tends to slip in a lot of pro wrestling moves into a style that's not supposed to have any pro wrestling moves in it. Does that make sense? Like his it, style it does, isn't... but but it was so clearly based off of actual wrestling and not show wrestling. Yeah. To me, it just, it's so different from what I'm used to that it yeah. doesn't read as professional wrestling to me. Yes. Right. I I know it is. Yes. But it's so <laughs> different, like. <laughs> Especially for yeah. someone like me who doesn't know the moves and doesn't know the names or where it's, it's all come from. It, it's just a foreign thing to me. Yes, I understand that. Um, I do find it interesting that like his signature strikes are already there. Like his open hand slaps, yeah. which become kind of like his calling card later in his career, certainly in New Japan currently. They're there. Because this is a worked match in the sense of the result was known. His opponent, by the way, is uh, Tatsuya Nakano, who I think we've probably looked at in more shoot-style wrestling companies than any other wrestler, because every card you look at from UWF or PWFG or has him on it. <laughs> He's ubiquitous. You can't get rid of it. <laughs> uh, he did work for New Japan for a while and has the, the most glorious quiff. It, <laughs> the, it, hair. It's, it's, the hair is, is quite remarkable. Um, we do need to talk about Suzuki's hair as well, though. We do, because, um, and just his looks in general. But, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's the first thing I wrote down. Like, watching this reminds me of the, the bi-monthly did you know that Suzuki used to be really hot tweets that <laughs> show up? And then you'll if inevitably get the people, what do you mean, used to be? Yes. But, but honestly, I know of people who would break their pelvis for Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I am sure he is a very happy man in the companionship department. Um, and <laughs> well, has he used been... to be really handsome, I can admit that. Like, he's not my type. Yeah. But he used to be really handsome. Yes, he did. He'd like, And we're talking rock star handsome. Yeah. Yeah, and... As well, it is just like at this point, he's starting to have that kind of presence. He's got a sense of, like, Nakano's a solid wrestler, and he's obviously got, got things about him, and he's, he, he knows what he's doing, and he's tough, and he's, he's, he looks like he's boss of this match. But Suzuki looks like the star. It's, it's so interesting to me to watch this, because I'm not used to watching Suzuki matches where he's the inexperienced guy. Yeah. Every Suzuki match I've watched so far, except for these matches, have had Suzuki, the experienced one who's in charge and who's older and who's looking down on whoever he's wrestling. Yeah. And this was the other way around. Here, Suzuki yeah. was the one being looked down on because he was the rookie who had to behave, and he clearly wasn't behaving. <laughs> no. <laughs> he, was, he was really annoying. That's what I wrote down. That's the last comment for the match. Oh, my God, Suzuki is so annoying here. And 
that that's so fascinating to see this guy who's in my eyes always been the experienced asshole be the inexperienced asshole yeah you can see like parts of that personality is coming down as well um the way these matches used to work from what i can figure out from people who've talked about them uh, little guido from ecw used to do uwfi matches there are point systems involved in this but essentially they kind of had a time limit so like the finish would be pre-arranged so like right you go in for 12 minutes and then be an armbar finish mm-hmm. but in the 12 minutes you hit each other as hard as you possibly can you know you go in for you you don't pull your strikes you hit people hard that's the style and you can see they are hitting each other hard and the kano's headbutts are really being laid in thick oh um, yeah and to the point i could of do without those to be honest yeah especially unprotected ones um, if and you, you want to get... do it against your own hand, okay, whatever. Yeah. But, actual and... contact at shots? No. No. I mean, Suzuki did get his arm in the way for, for a lot of them. But a lot of them is just like, you do get the feeling that if someone cinched up on an arm bar, that'd be it. You know? Yeah. So they, they are clearly giving each other room to work. But I can imagine Decano probably had words at the end of this matchup. He looked really annoyed. <laughs> yes. And I don't. Like, I, I was like terrified of writing that down or saying uh, something about it, and then having guys show up like it's just a work, you know. But he really looked so annoyed with Suzuki, and I can understand why he would have been annoyed because Suzuki was so clearly not treating him with the respect he was supposed to. Yes, the kind of a veteran. He's been around for a while. He's done this. He knows what he's talking about. He could defend himself quite well. And Suzuki just doesn't care. No. Absolutely does not give a shit. And wrestles like that. And that's a true Suzuki trait now. Yeah. You know, that is the one thing that stuck with him through his entire career is, I don't care. Up and down. I don't care. I don't care if you're bigger. I don't care if you're faster. I don't care if you're stronger. I don't care if you're a better wrestler than me. I don't I care still... if you're the ace of the company. I no. don't care if you're a young lion. No, I am still Minoru Suzuki, and you will respect the space I take up. Because or I will use... break your arm. Um... Or I will just break you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's it. And it's it's that level of just sheer confidence about him that is still that is there now. I'm watching him trying to put on a Boston crowd because I'm watching this as we're talking. And it's just like... I will put on this Boston crab because I am Minoru Suzuki, so it will happen. <laughs> All of the things are that, in the that's way. That's a young lion thing, like the Boston crab. Yes. I do, he does give up on the Boston crab and goes for a heel walk instead, and then digs everything in so tight as well. Everything's crisp as well with him. That's the thing when you're watching this. Even at this young age, it's still dojo crisp, and it's never really gone away. Everything he does looks meant if that makes sense. Mm. Everything does. Is, there's a is a sense of panache about what he's doing, even at this age. It must be about 21, I would think. So, you know, he's there's, he's there's a sense of panache about what he does even now. And, yes, we should talk about the hair as well. The quiff is just spectacular, isn't it? I just like seeing Suzuki with hair because it's such a foreign look to him. For me, because I'm a newbie when it comes to wrestling. <laughs> like, for me, him shaving off the little tuft of hair on the back of his head was a momentous occasion. Yeah. 
and suddenly he has a full head of hair. Like, oh my god. Yeah, and one would argue probably if he grew his hair out, it would still look somewhat similar to this. He chooses to do it because it's that aggressive. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's yeah. signature. It's totally him. If you see someone with clouds in their hair, you'll be like, oh, that's Suzuki inspired. Yes, exactly. And it's it's also as well, he doesn't, and maybe it's because we're watching with hindsight, but he doesn't look like a rookie in the sense of that presence doesn't make him look, he, he wrestles a lot of this match and he's on top for a lot of this match, far more than a rookie would get in any other company, really. Yeah, only his ring gear looks a rookie. Yeah, um, we will attach the videos to this as we all as we always do. But sky blue satin blue knee pads and trunks with uh, champion uh, calf socks is perhaps not his thing. <laughs> no, not really. No, the the shoot shoes that that's perfect. That's exactly what he should be wearing. But um, yeah, he's still not got that dark mean and brooding look has he he does in the next match though he does but there's a bit of time between this and the next match should we talk Quite about a bit of time yeah yeah we the matches we chose are about his professional wrestling career for the obvious reasons and we've talked about pro his pro wrestling Fujiwari Gumi career on the PWFG podcast we did with um Chelsea Several years ago, you can go find it on the Beginner's Guide to Professional Rest, Japanese Professional Wrestling, if you want to. And we talked a bit about his Pancras career. So we're talking about the king, Minoru Suzuki. So we're going to concentrate on his professional wrestling career, not his MMA career. But it's obviously worth noting that he's one of the founding members of Pancras. He goes on to have a stellar, uh, revolutionary uh hybrid wrestling career in Pancras. He helps start the promotion. He helps foster talent. He has some of the first boxer versus wrestler matches in Pancras. He tries to do everything to make the company work to the point of carrying wrestlers who are not as good as him. And all of this takes its toll because eventually he gets that injured. He cannot continue as a mixed martial artist. So rather than trying to, uh, fight an uphill battle, he decides to return to professional wrestling. And as intriguing to me is, I think he got out just the right time because he was still young enough to have an effect on an effect, an effective wrestling career. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he goes to, well, onto the Japanese independent scene, really, but his first major engagement is with All Japan Pro Wrestling. He also spends time in NOAA in this particular period and goes back and forth between the two Kings Road companies. But the match we've picked is from the 2007 Championship Carnival where he wrestles Toshiaki Kawada. The reason why I picked a match against Toshiaki Kawada was because, well, for a start, we haven't looked an awful lot of matches uh, from with Toshiaki Kawada in, which I thought would be interesting to look at. And also... Uh, Christy has not looked at any Orge Pan Pro Wrestling before with me. So that would be intriguing or to look at. Or in general. <laughs> or in general, ever. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very ill-informed about Old Japan or Kawada. Um, so teach me. <laughs> okay, well, 
they were in one of the brackets that also featured Rosie, um, as in Rosie, the WWE wrestler who was of the, you know, the family that included Yokozuna and um, uh, the head shrinkers and various other people from Japanese, uh, from WWE's uh, Samoan family, the Polynesian area, as it will. Taijiri, as in, you know, Taijiri, <laughs> of ECW's CML yeah. fame. Um, Toshiaki Kawada, a certain Satoshi Kojima, of whom I think yeah, you are quite he shows fond. up. I know that one. You know him? Yeah. 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 I, I he wasn't wonder always... why I know him. Yes, because he wasn't always a New Japan wrestler all the time. Um, and also one Mindoro Suzuki. Um, and Suzuki and Kawada were going to have an interesting match, to say the least. Kawada was one of the four pillars of all Japan Pro Wrestling. He was one of the founding members of the King's Road style that Giant Baba developed in the early 1990s, and some would argue his most proficient opponent, a proponent of it, along with Masahiro Misawa and Kenta Kabashi and Akira Teyu, the four pillars. And Kawada had a unique style because he used a lot of mixed martial arts in his style with lots of kicks and submissions, which actually Giant Baba wasn't keen on, but the fans loved it. So Giant Baba went, all right then. Um, and in the pre-load up to this um, uh, match, they showed the uh, previous matches where Rosie had used a Michinoku driver to drop Kawada on his head, and Tajiri had then gone after Kawada's neck with lots of stiff kicks. So there was a story going into this match that Kawada's neck was not the way it could have should have been, and then there's Minoru Suzuki. Who's Minoru Suzuki? It's like a shark. Stuffing people with pile drivers, trying to tear their arms off, generally disliking people in a violent manner. Um, and he wins his opening round match and then goes up against Satoshi Kojima and essentially embarrasses him for quite some time until, unfortunately for Minoru Suzuki, Satoshi Kojima manages to land the big lariat. So Suzuki needs a win for momentum, and Kawada has got a duff neck. They've both got one win each, and that's the setting the stage for the matchup. So here's a guy who is, as far as you can tell, strong style through and through. He's a New Japan guy. He's a UWF guy. He's all about submission. And there's Kawada, who's mostly a King's Road guy, a character wrestler, if you will, a guy who's used to telling his stories through matchmaking and through long matches that tell the intricate story in the King's Road manner. So you couldn't really get more of a clash of styles between two people, really, do you? could you? No, but I think that's also the most interesting about this match to me. Mm-hmm. That they're so different. Yes, they are. This is like, there's good, they're both stiff, because they are. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's like the same one with the next match. I love the contrast between Suzuki and whoever he's wrestling because he's always able to work with the contrasting style to make himself look like more of a badass, maybe? I don't know. Yes. No, no, you're right. I think that's absolutely true. And of course, there is a thing that plays into this. Not long after this, Kawada starts to pick up a young stable and he manages to train a certain wrestler called Tai Chi. 
<laughs> oh god, Tai Chi. <laughs> yeah. Tai, tai Chi um, was not Kawada's star student. In fact, these days when Kawada sees him in public, he crosses the room to avoid speaking to him. <laughs> That's so mean. But understandable. <laughs> <laughs> and Tai Chi's never really gotten over the fact that he was a bit of a jerk in training and therefore Kawada hated him. Um, by the way, all of their... likes him. Yes. Uh, by the way, all of their training sessions were on AJPW television. It was kind of like a... It was a bit like NXT. Uh, and Public entire... bullying? Um, yeah. <laughs> Not so much bullying as Tai Chi just, just being horrible to Kawada and Kawada like reacting as you'd expect Kawada to react with a lack of patience and understanding, I feel. That sounds like Tai Chi. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> cool well, he's, he's become a better person in the last like 20 years. Yes, slowly. this is true. Slow, slowly, very slowly. Um, but yes, this is, this is also nice the way that this match is set up. You get a lot of what Kanada's known for. He's stiff, really stiff. He lays everything in so thick. You know, there's there was always been jokes about Kawada, like, you know, breaking teeth with his kicks and things like that. And it's just like, you know, it's just this, his style. And, of course, Suzuki, who loves being beaten up, loves that style and is clearly having the time of his life. Some um, people have weird quirks. <laughs> this is This is true. And, you know, we're talking about 16 years difference between these two matches. And Suzuki's look has changed completely. Yeah, he's, and he's become the Suzuki, the Suzuki I know. Yes. Like he's but... not completely there yet. But most of his look and his ring gear and his mannerisms and his attitude is the Suzuki I know. Yeah, the dark veil is here, isn't it? This is yeah. like the Suzuki. Um, this is Suzuki Goon, Suzuki, Suzuki, and you know the his presence is still there. That arrogance that he had as a youth is still there because he's still arguably one of the toughest men who ever lived. Genuinely speaking, he's still got it as far as submission is concerned, and it's just you know an excellent way to showcase his talents because Kawada will just keep hitting him until they have a good match. <laughs> yeah, and it's for me as well to see the progression from the first match to the second match. This is way more wrestling wrestling. Yeah. But as as the matches that we watch go on, it gets more wrestling, if that makes sense. I think I think as well though, he finds a way to showcase that Wigan style mm -hmm. much better. Like the other guys who wrestle that style within their styles, so people like Marty Jones and Mark Rocco and uh, that uh, Steve Wright, that echelon of wrestlers, one of the things that stood out is you could tell they were Wigan wrestlers by the way they applied their submissions within the pro wrestling style. And Suzuki has that too. He's the same lineage as those guys because he was trained by Carl Gotch and Billy Robinson. So he was trained by snake pit guys, but he has the ability to like 
apply it in the same way they did. I'm looking at Suzuki now trying to put a, a sleeper on Kawada and he's just like a dog or a rat and pulling him this way and pulling him that way and making sure he's got the right angle. Now it's into a cross face and he's still trying to tear Kawada's head off. That intensity is always there. And you know it's like because of the way he was trained and because of the career he's had. I also think it's interesting that he's, as the matches progress, that he's getting better at playing the crowd and playing the cameras. Yeah. Because he was really good in this match, don't get me wrong, but he gets better as the matches go, go on. Like, to me, it's very clear that here his focus still was the wrestling. Whereas in the last match, I think the, the crowd and the cameras were also a really big focus. Yeah. I think we'll, as well is we'll to that much. I think later. I think as well with his career in mixed martial arts where he didn't have to worry about that, he just had to worry about the person in front of him. I think he kind of has this natural presence that's there. Mm. I think we talked about it in the first match a lot, but it's it's more prevalent here. He still doesn't care that that but devil makes It's so obvious that he's learned how to be a wrestler. Yeah. Compared to the first match. The first match, he was being an arrogant dick, but it was more focused on his opponent, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Than the story he was telling or the crowd. And in this match, you can already see that he's picked up the having to work the crowd as well as the wrestler. Yeah. And I think he does it with such natural aplomb because for so many years, he didn't care because he was a yeah. fighter. He wasn't a wrestler. And now he can see how to manipulate the crowd just by raising his eyebrows in the right place. He does yeah, it with minimal just effort. looking at the camera a certain way. Yeah, he's just dropped Kawada on his head, knowing that the next step, and he just smiles at him. Yeah, the smile, the moment he realizes that uh, Kawada's neck is fucked up is terrifying. <laughs> like, I called him a shark. It was like he, he was there was blood in the water and he was like, I'm going after that neck and it's mine and you're not having it back. Yeah. And I, I, this is the thing as well is like, it's just his attitude to other people as a character. Something he said when Jushin Liger retired was, don't you get it? If you retire, I win. Cause I lasted longer than you did. Yeah. And, and, and it's so interesting that he looks at it that way. And I don't think Liger looks at it that way. <laughs> no, Liger like he, looks at he it. thinks that everyone is trying to outlast everyone and be the toughest guy in, in wrestling. And that's not the way all of them look at it. No, that's it. This, but that's the way Suzuki looks at it. So that's the right way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are no other ways. <laughs> this, this, is, this is the kind of like level of, like the Suzuki character, not Minoru Suzuki as a person, but the Suzuki character is there is only one way. It's the same way Carl Gotch did it. It's the same way Billy Robinson did it. It's yeah. the same way Billy Riley did it. It's the same way Yukiyoshi Fujiwara did it. It's the same way I do it. You last as long as you can, and you try your best every day. And if you, and you try kill to do as it that many, way, many people as you can. Yes. <laughs> You know, it is the Lance Archer line, but kill them all. That's yeah. that's it. That's you know, that's all it's about. It's about earn your money the old-fashioned way by beating people up for it. 
it's a very simple philosophy, but you don't find a purer character than Minoru Suzuki to tell that story, do you? No. It's, it's just so direct and visceral and he's just lack of caring for anybody else. He's not relatable at all. And that's what I find so interesting about Suzuki is that normally popular wrestlers are relatable. Yeah. I don't think anyone, most wrestling fans can't relate to Minoru Suzuki. I hope. No, no, you can relate to Zack Sabre Jr. Because he's just annoyed. Like he's annoyed (laughs) things don't go his way. He's annoyed at other people. Everyone has that level of frustration. But with Suzuki, it's not frustration. With Suzuki, it's you are in my way, therefore you will be out of my way in the most efficient manner possible. Yeah, with broken (laughs) bones and... Yes, I do not have time to get annoyed with you (laughs) because that is is wasting time when I could be doing other things. So I will now destroy you. Thank you for your time. Bang. And that's that's the thing. And you can relate to Tai Chi to an extent because we're all failures. Yeah, he's he's a <laughs> dork, and he's a bit of a dork, and he's kind of a bit of an arrogant dork. But in the deep down, he understands he's a dork, and you can relate to that. That's fine. But you can't relate to Suzuki because it's such a straight line. It's yeah. it's. I uh, do you not understand? I am one of the greatest fighters that ever lived, and that's 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 all there is. That's all that matters. The only thing that matters is having your hand raised in a professional wrestling match. There is nothing else. <laughs> and that's. I can't that's... even imagine living like that, being no. that confident and knowing that you can take anyone. Yeah, that's it. At any given moment, I could take anyone on this roster. I may be 52 years old. Come try me. That's, you know, that, and that's the. You have to have a certain level of actual ability to be able to get to the point of thinking like that you know and and it's something as well that other if you look at his contemporaries who've transferred back into pro wrestling sakuraba who currently wrestles for no one used to wrestle for new japan has it to an extent but is sakuraba just a happy-go-lucky guy in real life he's a happy-go-lucky guy and i don't think he'd ever be a heel because he's just a he's just a dude scary dude absolutely terrifying human being once won a UFC heavyweight tournament at 185 pounds. How in God's name do you do that? That shouldn't be possible. But he was one of the best submission artists on the planet at the time. No one gave him a second thought because he's, he's a light heavyweight and he's a pro wrestler. What possible damage could he do? Sakuroba broke arms on his way to that championship in one night. And But again, he's just a dude. <laughs> and Suzuki is also just a dude, but he's able to turn the character on and just be terrifying. Yeah, that's it. And Ken Shamrock kind of had that, but with Shamrock, it feels so much more like an act. Like watching Ken Shamrock wrestle, he does the like uh, get angry, snap kind of deal that Suzuki does, but it feels like he's trying too hard to do that. And Suzuki Whereas, always feels like he's angry, but he's holding himself back for the sake of the wrestling match. Yes. Like, New Japan is going to find me if I don't behave. I'll behave until a certain level because <laughs> it's annoying having to pay fines. But if you piss me off enough, I'll pay that fine and I'll break your neck. 
That's how Suzuki feels. I, I tolerate these rules on my playing yeah, my, field. my terms. Not, my terms, not yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that's it. Where Shamrock, even in Shamrock's wrestling heyday, he still looked like a guy who was angry because he'd been told to be angry. He mm. didn't just look like seething underbelly, seething cauldron of pain that Suzuki does. And Shamrock's just as good a fighter as, as Suzuki was. You know, um, uh, and it's Arsenal would argue it was better. And Suzuki, Shamrock did beat Suzuki. Suzuki beat Shamrock a couple of times too. So, it, but they were they were contemporaries and they were equally skilled in in shoot fighting. But Suzuki is an infinitely better wrestler, I think, than Shamrock was. Um, and I just love this match, though, because of the way the story gets told towards the end, because Kawada does have the big comeback after his neck's been hammered by Suzuki, but he still sells the neck all the way through. And Suzuki is trying really hard to stay on top all the way through the match. And then Kawada kicks are always just... <laughs> just and they don't stop down. when the bell rings. No, they just they keep, keep going. slapping each other. Yeah, it's just... It's a brilliant piece of work. It's also a brilliant piece of booking because Kawada was obviously the hot favorite as the long-term ace of the company for the previous, what, 15 years? Well, maybe not 15 years, 14 years. And they have to protect him because they want to give themselves options, but he's doing his best to get everybody else over as a threat. And going to a draw with these two was a genius way of going about it, I think. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what to say to that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it worked well. Uh, Kiyoji Muto was booker at this point uh, of All Japan Pro Wrestling. Cool. And if if you listen to the Troopany show this week, myself and Alex Watt will be looking at the history of the early days of HAPW uh, after the Noah split and the first episode of Noah as well. So you'll get to contrast the Kings Road companies too. But going back to this show, Talking about Noah. Mm-hmm. That's the next match we're talking about, too. What did you think of Kawada? Now, just as a, and as a little gentle aside, as we talked about Suzuki, what did you think of Kawada? God, why, why make me do that? Um, well, just, just like, what's your first impressions? It, it's difficult for me because I, I need some time to get used to wrestlers. So okay. he, he was really good. But I know nothing about him other than that he's a good wrestler. Yes. And pretty much all the wrestlers I watch are good wrestlers. So he's really good, but that's it <laughs> so far. Like, sorry. That's okay. I just thought I'd ask. Yeah, no, you... I, but I feel just I just feel kind of awkward with these kinds of things because I know they're really good wrestlers and they're amazing and there are so many fans and. If I watched a lot of matches, I'd, I'd fall in love with them and stuff. But one match is not is enough for enough? me. I need investment. Okay. How do you feel about Naomichi Marafuji? Because you have seen love more than Marafuji. Ah, there you go. <laughs> Marafuji, uh, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, excla exclamation mark is what my <laughs> notes say. <laughs> so the next match comes from the somewhat ill-fated Bushy Road Noah experiment when Jado of, you know, Gado and Jado, world-class tag team, took over the book at Noah in 2000 and... 
2015, well, 2014, and decided that Suzuki Gun should decamp from New Japan Pro Wrestling, basically to give Bullet Club room to breathe and take over Noah. And things went... Hmm. Now, business went down because the Noah faithful hated it. And the house show business was dreadful for most of that particular year. However, artistically, I don't think it was as bad as the gate gave out. But I just think the Noah fans just didn't like it because it was too New Japan-y. Does that make sense? It does. But I also get what you mean um, when you say that it wasn't as terrible as people make it out to be. Like I, yeah. I didn't watch Noah at the time. So I'm just basing yeah. it off of stories but also this match and this match was so much the story was clearly suzuki against noah yeah and that's just such a good story to tell yeah the entire crowd was rooting for marifuji there were wrestlers on the ringside that were clearly hoping that marifuji won everyone was rooting against suzuki except for suzuki gun who showed up at the end <laughs> because Suzuki Gun does that and it's just it, it felt so electrifying like not to be the rock but it no, I, felt I, there were stakes there and everyone was involved in some way yeah I think this is the thing is that it felt like a blow off match of a year long feud which it was supposed to be that's mm. the whole point. You know, Suzuki took the title in 2014, not long after turning up in Noah, just after Wrestle Kingdom. They destroyed everybody, took all the titles, and then just sat on them for a year, and no one could dethrone Suzuki. It was arguably one of the best title runs from a wrestling point of view anyone has ever had. However, the business didn't do well for Noah, and it's only taken them till now for them to get hot again, really. So, you know, it may have put the business back six or seven years, which is not really what they were after, obviously. But also, they've had two owners as a company since then. Um, and the, the thing is, as well, with Suzuki's style, this match was going to be great because he can adapt to so many people. And Marufuji, mm. in many ways, is, again, he's as King Road a wrestler as you can possibly imagine. Grew up in the AJPW dojo was one of Misawa's um, protégés, was the president of the company when Misawa passed away and took over as the, the chief booker and creative talent. Now, this is the first time since we've started watching these videos that we hear Kozei Ninare as it became his theme in New Japan Pro Wrestling and it became that iconic moment. It's not an iconic moment here because obviously the Noah fans don't react to it in the same way the New Japan fans do. Yeah, I was sitting there <laughs> like mouthing the words. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it, yeah. Suzuki, it's okay. Yeah, it's it's intriguing. The match opens with Kenta Kobashi, uh, who was the president of the Global Honor Crown uh, Committee, reading out the challenges and the championship match as his, his job as chairman in a very natty suit. There are a few people in the world that fill out a suit like Kenta Kibashi does. Like, he looks like a powerful man under that suit. And he is. <laughs> uh, but also, Marufuji is surrounded by the Noah faithful. Um, and 
Minoru Suzuki is out there on his own. A lonely warrior, if you will. Yeah, it's that's another story in it in itself. Yes, but, he does. Uh, he he's he started his part of it, the part of his career where he's trying to kill the golden boys of the promotions. Yeah. Like first here, it's Marufuji, and it's going to be Tanahashi and Okada in New Japan. That that's yeah. his thing now. <laughs> I mean, we we did kind of like go quickly over his career in AJPW and his second career, his first career in Noah. Uh, and even his return to New Japan Pro Wrestling, obviously Suzuki Goon became a thing when Tai Chi and um, Takamichinoku turned on uh, Satoshi Kojima, and it, when it was Kojima Goon, uh, Kojima. after Kojima had come back from All Japan Pro Wrestling, imagine coming back to All Japan Pro Wrestling and Minoru Suzuki turns up. Well, imagine, <laughs> imagine if they hadn't left Kojima. They've been oh, all of them would be bright uncles now. Yeah, I'm sure Tai Chi would have loved that. Um, and <laughs> Sounds then like Suzuki... a gimmick for him, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and then Suzuki Goon was born, and it included members such as MVP, he's quite mm-hmm. famous, and of course Shelton Benjamin, of course, who actually finished. Um, it was the finalist in that year's um, Global Honor Crown Tournament, uh, the N1, as it is now. Suzuki is just Suzuki. <laughs> Annoying, brash, and in charge for a large part of this match, but it shows you really how he can showcase himself as a heavyweight championship wrestler, which is the reason why we picked this match. This was him at his full pomp, his strongest run with a championship belt, I would say, and his ability to create main event matches was pretty much at its peak, as far as I can tell. He'd had blinders with AJ Styles in the previous 18 months, and when he comes back to New Japan Pro Wrestling, he has incredible matches with Kenny Omega and a full plethora of wrestlers. So for me, as a pro wrestler, despite the fact he was, what, 45 years old? This is about his best work. What do you think? Uh, to me, it's he, he's at... Point nine of his point ten uh, evolution into the Suzuki he is now. Mm-hmm. He has everything that the current Suzuki has except for the crowd engagement. But we'll get to that in the last match. Um, what I love about this match is that Marufuji is really quick, and he's also not afraid to take to the to the sky which is the first time in this series of matches we're watching that someone is using the top rope against <laughs> suzuki oh yeah i can't imagine kawada ever using a top <laughs> rope he's like to lean on occasionally <laughs> like there were flips and stuff and it's it's like i mentioned it before that it's interesting to watch suzuki adapt to different kinds of opponents like yeah marifuji is not too different from kawada but in some ways he also is like he's taking to the sky he's jumping he's flipping he's jumping to the outside his kicks are amazing that's a uh, something they have in common like marifuji's kicks are probably my favorite in Mm -hmm. wrestling they just look like they hurt a fox dog. <laughs> uh, yes, <they> do. <laughs> sorry, this is a Suzuki podcast. Sorry. And I love watching Suzuki be more methodical. 
methodical. What's the English yeah. word? Methodical. Like he, he looks at Marafuji and he's like, I'm going to, going to ground you so you can't jump, so you can't kick me. And then I'm slowly going to break your legs. And that's just like knowing that someone has a plan against you is terrifying. Like he knows what to do against Marafuji. And he's he's doing it while surrounded by so many wrestlers who hate him and who want him to lose. Like the lone warrior thing you mentioned. Like th yeah. that's that's just perfect storytelling to me. And he's almost at the Suzuki from now. Almost there. He's like on the third evolution. Like he he's a very angry Pokemon and he's almost <laughs> at the final evolution. I think it, I think if you had a Minoru Suzuki Pokemon, it would just be a black hole of nothingness. <laughs> He'd love it though. Like he's an anime <laughs> nerd. He'd love a Pokemon evolution of himself. <laughs> the reason why I mentioned Cozy Nino Ray is I have um, at school uh, where I work, we have music appreciation, and I have this thing in three four called Mystery Song of the Week, and I'll pick a different song themed to the subjects. And I chose Cozy Nina Ray one week because I was like, it's in Japanese, so I'll just see it as a tune and figure it out. And there was a young boy uh, called Owen who listened very intently to it, and he said, put his hand up when he said, what, what did you think of this piece of music? I imagine like a soldier on a hillside by himself at night. And I was Perfect. like, so you're saying he has to be a lonely warrior tonight? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Go. Yes, he, he got a lot of table points. Um, yes, Nimichi Marifuji is in many ways the perfect opponent for Minoru Suzuki because he is everything that Suzuki isn't. Mm. He's an aerial wrestler. He's a junior heavyweight that's been built, bulked up to a heavyweight rather than being born a heavyweight. Uh, he's all about technical flash and he's all about wowing the audience with big maneuvers and he represents the company yes he is the ace of noah he is the chosen boy of the company's founder he is the continuation of giant baba's king's road philosophy he is everything that suzuki is not you could draw a straight line from an antonio inoki to minori suzuki you could draw a straight line from billy riley to minori suzuki and everything is about no wasted motion. And whereas Marafuji is all about tell the story in the most elaborate way possible. Yeah, and that's and, why I love them. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, it, that's the thing, even the way they dress, like Marafuji comes down in his big mecha outfit with the robot head and, and the cape and everything that, you know, makes him a heavyweight champion, makes up his character. And Suzuki comes down with a towel on his head, wearing black tights, black boots, shooter boots, no socks. Completely alone. Yes. There like is Suzuki gun show up eventually. Yeah. But it, most of the match is alone. It's uh, it's almost as if like he doesn't need anything more. It's like I'm I am so good at this, I don't even need socks. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's also the two people who do show up are Lance Archer and Davy Boy Smith Jr. Mm. 
It's like the foreigners are not listening to Suzuki. Yes. <laughs> like that they didn't completely understand that they weren't supposed to be a ringside and they showed no. up and then the other wrestlers threw them out. And then after Suzuki has lost, sorry, spoiler. Um, it's okay. I think people have probably seen this match by now. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, Saka shows up, but only after he has already lost. And he's yes. been lying on the ground for a while, looking at Marafuji celebrating with all his friends. And then Marafuji getting challenged, I think. Yes, because Sugiara turns his back on Noah and joins Suzuki Gear. Yeah. Um, um, Go Shiozaki turns up after. Uh, turning his back on Noah to two years before to go join All Japan Pro Wrestling, um, and uh, because they'd fired Kenta Kobashi and everyone got angry, and Kanemura left, and who was it? It was Kanemura, Aoki, Aoki, Goshiyazaki, and two others whose names escape me. I can't remember. Oh, Yonakiyama and one other person. They all left nowhere. They were, oh, we're never going back. You can't believe the way you treated Kenta Kibayashi. And two of them would be back within two years. <laughs> one of whom would be... wrestling. Yes, one of whom would be Nobu Kanemura. Wonder where he ended up. Uh, <laughs> no idea. And also, Minoru uh, Goshiyazaki, who turns back up on this when his contract had run out with... Well, no, what happened was... Yonaki Armour actually changed the way the contracts worked in AJPW because they couldn't afford to do full contracts. So they changed it to nightly payoffs instead, old-fashioned wrestling style, and Go Shiozaki left because of that. <laughs> and, uh, wrestling is a fascinating yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, it ends up back in Noah. And Ketu Kobashi, of course, went back to Noah when he was asked to go back to be... Uh, for a great story, though. Yeah, it does. It does. It's still the genuine like leader of nowhere. Um, but going back to this particular matchup, I mean, it's Suzuki, like I said, like his ring attire is just like, it's like he would wrestle naked if he could. Like in the sense to. of, <laughs> yeah, in the sense like he doesn't need anything else. It's just all about intimidation. I don't need anything else other than this good body as to well. do the job. Yeah, you know, it's he's sport- really lean there. Yeah, he does. He's actually, if you look at the match with uh, Kawada, he's actually bulkier there than he is in this match. Has he got older, he's leaned out. Like, I will tell you as a middle-aged gentleman, as you tend to get older, you tend to get bigger, even no matter how good your day is and how much you exercise, because your body just settles into a certain place. Whereas Suzuki uh, has done all that and still managed to keep his weight at a reasonable length. But that's partly because he does so many stretches and so many you know, other things to keep him limber and that helps his body type as well. But also he's just so physically fit and he's gone on record as saying when he notices that he's dropping down the card, he goes back to the gym and puts more work in and finds out other things he can learn to make himself a better wrestler. That sounds exhausting. (laughs) I have a feeling it's pretty exhausting being Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm kind of jealous that he's so confident, but also being him sounds exhausting. 
Like, I wouldn't want to be like that. I admire him, but I couldn't do it. Yeah. I I read an interview with Josh Barnett, and they were holding, like, a, a grappling seminar. And one of the things Suzuki demonstrated was the fact he could control his opponent just by the ankles. And he just ran rings around everybody for 20 minutes just by controlling their ankles, just by kneeling on their ankles or manipulating their ankles. And he did an entire seminar on how to control somebody by their ankles. Not any other part of the body. <laughs> just do this to control the person. You don't need to make that much effort. It was He's amazing. He's just like on another level as far as like uh, uh, grappling is concerned and catch wrestling is concerned he's just that good and even now at 52 years old he does that stuff for fun <laughs> that's what he does to relax you know he's too desperado he's, yeah yeah he's still he's still thinking about how to be a better submission wrestler you know how can we improve this game that i am the master of um is there anything else you want to say about this match? Because it goes on for a long time. Yeah, that's also something I wrote down. Like, the, the last two matches are so long compared to yeah. the other two. Like the, first, the first match is obviously, it's a mid-card opener, opening match kind of match. It's not particularly long, uh, though it's impactful for what it is. The second match is a tournament match. It's a half-hour draw. It's on the edited highlights as well. There's bits they missed out. This is the full main event of a Noah show with the post-match and the pre-match. And it's about 40 minutes long. And I think this is where, like, there's a change in taste in Japanese wrestling as well. This is, 2015 is about the time when the long matches really start. Yeah, and then the fourth match we're watching is even longer. Yeah, because I think the, the main event for Wrestle Kingdom that year war would have been Okada and... Tanashi, wouldn't it? And I remember Voices of Wrestling saying they'd heard a rumor that they were going to go for an hour. And someone said, well, no modern wrestling match should go for an hour. It just can't be done anymore. No, an hour they... is not that long. No, little did they know <laughs> <laughs> that within two years, like 40 minutes would become regular. You know, this is the 40... it's 40 minutes. 40 minutes main event is short. Yeah, now. Yeah. Like even. Even then, we when Carter and Tanashi went for like what twenty seven minutes, we thought, "Ooh, we're Wrestle Kingdom. That's a long time." That, that how are they holding everyone's attention for twenty seven minutes? <laughs> and now, and then, now it's like Ibushi and Desperado only went forty minutes. Oh, why is it so short? Yeah, uh, like, and it's. I think a lot of it has come down to the wrestlers are better, they're fit, so they can go for longer. They want to tell bigger platform stories. And it's kind of the consumer thing of, I think it's another thing to separate is the fact that WWE have main events that last 25 minutes. They always do. So if ours can go longer, well, ours must be better. Yeah, and it's also if you start with the longer main events, then if you have a very long main event for Okada uh, Omega, and you don't have a very long main events for the ones that follow, yeah. then are you saying that they're less important? Yeah, I, Tanahashi said it. Um, uh, I think he said 
Oh, well, Kenny went, Kenny went with Okada for 38 minutes at Wrestle Kingdom, and I only went for 28, so Okada must be 10 minutes better than me. And he was joking, but he felt it sounded like he was a bit hurt by the fact that it's gone a bit longer. But you know what I mean? It's the there is that. Yeah, how do you take the cap out of the bottle? How do you start going back to twenty five minute main events? You can't, can you? No. But also, I think Suzuki's style is perfect for this. Yeah. Like, you know, he has ten minutes on top. He's clearly the submission master. Marufuji gets some strikes in and starts coming back with some high-impact moves. And then Suzuki goes back and takes a different angle. It goes for a different limb. And there's another 10-minute story about him trying to manipulate the leg. And then he spits at the referee and thumps him and then goes back to working on the leg. And, you know, Suzuki's got so many tools in his bag to make this 40-minute match a classic because he doesn't just have to... He isn't taking risks. He's not expending energy he doesn't need to. And that means he can make things at the end be just as impactful as things at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, his style is methodical in a way that really works for telling longer stories in a match. Because mm. it, it's like he knows to get to C, we have to get do A and B, and he does that perfectly. He sets up the win or the loss perfectly. Because you know that he can just take any limb and tell a story with that. Yeah. And it's, I mean, as well, Marafuji's like a perfect foil in many ways because he's got so many bows to his arsenal as well. I mean, he is a great striker. He is a pretty good submission wrestler, but he's a brilliant aerial wrestler and a great storyteller. So he can match Suzuki in so many different ways. So he's the ideal person to have this with. And in many ways, Suzuki picks and chooses his arsenal as well. Like, the obviously, he's had a lot more time to show off his wares against Marufuji, but it's a lot more varied forms of attack against Marufuji than, say, against Kawada, who's a much more one-dimensional character of a wrestler. Kawada is big kicks, big forearms, power moves, suplexes, He's not going to sit there and arm bar you for arm arm bar you for twenty minutes. He's going to try and knock your head off. So Suzuki doesn't have to do as much in that situation to make the match interesting. In fact, the less he does, the better off he is. Whereas with Marufuji, he has to vary it because Marufuji has varied attacks as well, but he's doing it in a way that is still within his style. He's not doing anything out of ordinary. Mm-hmm. And I think as well is that what that goes back to that Wigan style, like the whole least taken, find the way of um, boxing your opponent in, stifle them, don't let them get up, keep on top of them, never give them a chance. That's Suzuki to a T, and he uses it here. Obviously, he doesn't give Marafuji a chance, chance or it'd be really boring. But, you know, when he's on top, he's on top. He's in charge of the ring. He's making sure that Marufuji is always chasing him. And that gives it that oppressive feel, which is exactly what Suzuki was supposed to do in this matchup. And it's also, uh, Suzuki wrestles as if he's the one who has the home court advantage. Yeah. Even though he's up against everyone, he's the one in control. Yeah. 
it's it's astounding to watch because he's in nowhere. He's in enemy territory. It doesn't get any more enemy than this. <laughs> and it still feels like he's perfectly at home. Is there anything more we can say about this matchup? No. Well, we could, but we should probably get to the last one. So our last one is when... Uh, well, it's from only a couple of years ago, in fact. In fact, it's from the only main event in Britain from New Japan Pro Wrestling on an official British New Japan Wrestling tour, not including the Rev Pro shared ones, the ones that are actually from New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> and it was, of course, the main event of Royal Quest from two, the summer of 2019 from the Copper Box Arena in London. And it featured a match that... Um, was from uh, Kazuchi Okada defending the IWGP Heavyweight Championship against the King, Minoru Suzuki. Now, Suzuki had been left out of that year's G1 tournament. He was not happy about that development and had to make himself relevant again. So he attacked Okada at the G1 final and made a claim for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. And Okada never wanted to back down from a challenge in the mean, middle of because his imperious dumb. reign. Because he's a fighting champion. He's also a little dumb, though. <laughs> I love him, uh, but he's not the smartest champion. Um, he, of course, uh, accepted the challenge of the king, Monoro Suzuki. And in fact, it would be the last time we hear Kozi Nero Nere in a main event match for quite some time in front of an audience. So... It's especially poignant because we haven't heard it since in a main event. And that's kind of sad. Not because we have heard it in a main event, but not with an audience that could sing along, which is kind of the point, really, isn't it? <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> like, I was listening to it. Uh, it was amazing. And at the same time, I was like, why can't we have this now? Fuck off, yeah. Corona. <laughs> <laughs> and what amazes me about this match is... They listen to the crowd so much because Okada is a master crowd manipulator as well in a different way, but he does it to such an extent. He's, he's in many ways, he's a baby face that isn't really a baby face because obviously the original Rainmaker was a heel and it's just that chaos became popular and he hasn't really changed that much. In fact, in some cases, he still acts like a heel today, but they both listen to the audience and the audience want to hear forearms. And um, by gum, do we get some forearms? Like ten minutes, <laughs> ten minutes worth. Yeah, it, what it, it it amazes me that they manage to keep people entertained just by hitting each other in the face. Well, they they continued until the crowd stopped shouting for every forearm. Yeah, and then they stopped, and when they landed another one, the crowd popped again. They did it again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. It was like 10 minutes worth of forearms. Yes, but each one was appraised and prized and had a point and told a story. And, and again... And face. <laughs> yes, this is the thing with Minoru Suzuki. He doesn't put anything into a wrestling match unless it's perfect. And it's all about technique. And no one throws forearms like Minoru Suzuki because he has the perfect technique. That's the whole point. And he manages to get a sound. Jim Ross calls it, he said, the tone changes when Minoru Suzuki steps into a professional wrestling ring. 
is that you can hear all the slap kicks you want, but when Minoru Suzuki steps into a wrestling ring, there's a change in tone. Everything is more visceral. Every sound you hear is real. He is it. That is the real deal. That is what he is after. And you know that that is actually genuinely Minoru Suzuki's calloused up and crushed forearm hitting Kazuchika Okada in the face as hard as he possibly can. And, yeah. and, and Okada that, is great at suffering yes. dur- during this <laughs> I, thing. And it's, of course, it's London in the copper box. It's a packed house and it's the middle of summer and sweat flies everywhere. Again, you used to watch this match and you're like, oh, I wonder why we had a global pandemic. <laughs> Whoops. Yes. Oh, is it humans being stupid again? Hey, look at that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is, it's just so breathtaking. It's not as technically adept as the Marafuji match. It's not even as tough as the Kawada match. And it's not as, you know, sports orientated as the as the the, um, the yeah Nakano match. This is a wrestling match of its time and in its place, but it's the perfect match for the audience. The other three matches had to tell a story a certain way, whereas this is Okada and Suzuki reacting to what the crowd want, even though both of them aren't really crowd crowd pleasing wrestlers, though they are, and that's what they aim to do but their characters aren't about just pleasing the crowd for the sake of it. Their characters are about either winning wrestling matches in the most efficient manner possible or trying to create a narrative of nobility and championship material. Yeah, they 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 don't want to be cool, but if they're cool in because the, how they want to achieve their goal, then that's okay. Like Okada wants to be seen as a cool guy, cool guy, but his main focus is the title. And yeah. Suzuki doesn't want to look cool, but if he looks cool while killing someone, he doesn't care either. Like, it's fine. Yeah, it's the winning isn't everything. Winning is the only thing attitude that both of them share. And that really comes out in this match, I think. And that makes them cool. Yeah, and that makes it cool. That's, I think that's the key issue, isn't it? They don't care. Suzuki more than Okada. Okada cares. He cares about the fans to an extent. He cares about filling arenas and he cares about making money. That's what he's there to do, even as a character. Whereas Suzuki is there to win. That's his character. I think Suzuki does care as in you are below me and you should respect me, fans. Yes. I think he does care in that way. Yeah, because if if they don't clap hard enough, it'll tell them to clap, you know. Yeah, but he isn't there. It it's not the fans not, are inconsequential. He's, he's not there for them. They're there for him. Yes, you came to pay. You paid me to come see me. Yeah, that's that's the point, isn't it? And I think that's the. The thing with Suzuki is he's still so arrogantly single-minded about his ultimate goal, which is to beat everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I love seeing in this match that the way he plays the crowd, like you mentioned it as well, because it's 
clear that this is focused on this crowd in particular. I'm not sure Suzuki would be this way in Japan, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because he's so very focused on the crowd here. He, he even pauses so someone can take a picture at some point <laughs> during the match. Yeah. He <laughs> understands... I, Sorry, Karen. Yeah, I don't think he would do that in, in Japan, but because it's this crowd and this reaction, like the reaction was pretty even, 50-50. Mm. And I think that's why he changed the way he was approaching the crowd, because I, I don't think he'd do this in Japan. No, I think there was... Uh, I think he, he has a way of understanding the business from that point of view, is we're here to build an audience, so I have to be slightly baby-faced because that's what this crowd wants. But he manages to fold it into the character of Minoru Suzuki. Yeah, and it's also, it's like Bizarro World. We talked about this before, like WWE will act like Canada is an, an entirely different world, like Bizarro yeah. World, and that's why they don't behave the way WWE wants them to. Like yeah. New Japan going to the United States or to England, it's kind of like we're doing these couple of shows and nothing that we do here really matters in the storyline kind of way. So yeah. it's okay to be a face here. Yeah, it's okay. You know, to, it's okay that Suzuki's popular today. But also, I think that the way New Japan works in its booking, like NATO, as we talked about in the last episode of In the Beginning, isn't really a face. He's just popular. Yeah, he's a face to the fan, fans. He's not yeah. a face to New Japan. No, that's the, the actual booking of NATO as a wrestler means that he can walk the line. Like at the minute, you know, LIJ are feuding with uh, the Empire. And he's having a feud with Okan. He wrestled Okan uh, today or this morning, was it? Or yesterday. Um, and NATO is clearly wrestling as a babyface. That doesn't mean he's not going to spit in the referee's face. It doesn't mean he's not going to cheat. He's not meaning he's not going to do heelish things. It's just that in the New Japan world, Tetsuya Nato can do that and mm -hmm. still be considered uh, popular with the fans because, you know, chaos didn't really change. Yano still cheats. Ishii still cheats when he needs to. Okada doesn't cheat, but he doesn't wrestle any differently to when he was he's a heel. He's still an arrogant asshole sometimes. Yes, so they didn't really change. It's just that everyone came around to their way of thinking, which is a different thing. <laughs> to yeah, change maybe it. that's why Suzuki Gun is slowly turning face. I think, and I don't, I don't disagree with that statement. Like, where does being nice get you? In that, in that sense of world, like. You can be a good New Japan fan and follow the videos that Rocky made about making sure you don't like do this and you don't do that when you're a fan, which is fine and their rules and you should follow them. But equally, we've been nice and coronavirus still came and shut everything down. We didn't get the wrestling we wanted, you know, and it's nobody's fault. So why can't we be angry about things? There are awful lot of bad things in the world, and we've proved if we're angry about them, say like Black Lives Matter change comes so why can't we be angry like suzuki is yeah and and 
like Desperados won a lot of titles recently, so clearly being part of Suzuki Gun works. Yeah, this is this is it, and it's they portray themselves as the best because they believe they're the best. So why wouldn't they be the best? Why would they lie to us? They prove it to us every time we see them wrestle. They try harder than everybody else, and they will do anything to win. There's a nobility in that as well as being horrible because they're rule breakers. But there's a nobility in that sense of they never change. They are like clockwork, always the same. Yeah, they they don't fit the rules that society gives them, but they stick to their own rules. Yeah, there is a bond. There is a there is a certain bond within Suzuki Goon of things they will and won't do, and they will do anything to win a professional wrestling match. But that's yeah. kind of it. <laughs> like they have their own, like Mio Abe. I remember a couple of years ago there was a storyline where a Taguchi would attack her and then touch her inappropriately. Love yeah. that storyline, by the way. That was awesome. <laughs> Wonderful. Let's have more of that. That was sarcasm. Um, and then Suzuki-gun would be so mad at Taguchi that he dared to touch Mio Abe. And that's like the perfect example of the Suzuki gun rule set. Like, you don't touch her. She's one of ours. You keep your hands off of her or we'll kick your ass. Yeah. Because she's part of the Suzuki gun family. Yeah. That's it. That's, she's, there is a honor among thieves, as yeah. it were, but it's, it's just the way that Suzuki projects that across to his followers as well. You know, there is a, um, and it's been the same for all the members of Suzuki Goon in the sense of there is a house style, you know, they all tend to be rule breakers, but they all tend to be dark characters. They all tend to be submission specialists or good mat wrestlers or Tai Chi. And... <laughs> Um, I was waiting all... for the, for the <laughs> anti chi. Anti chi. Uh, <laughs> is better than he used to be. Um, but there, there is that sense of like, they, in many ways, Harry Smith was a perfect example of what Suzuki Gun's about—a badass heel who is a great mat wrestler. Uh, Archie was more on the character side, a dark character. MVP is a great mat wrestler. Uh, Shelton Benjamin is just a great athlete and amateur wrestler that kind of fit into that Suzuki gun mold, historically speaking. And even now the current members, obviously, Zedek Sabre Jr. has that catch-as-catch-can Wigan style about him, even though he's not a Wigan guy. But he's clearly been a big influence on Minoru Suzuki. You know, you look at the way Minoru Suzuki wrestles now, even a couple of years later after being hanging around Zack Sabre Jr., he's adapted a lot of what Zack Sabre Jr. has done. Suzuki isn't going to come off the top rope with a, a poison runner anytime soon, but he does evolve his style. He does try and put new stuff in just the same way he does about thinking about his efforts in MMA and how he can develop that. Suzuki doesn't stop evolving as a wrestler. Yeah, what I love about Suzuki-kun is that it's like Suzuki found these horrible people and he decided, <laughs> you're mine now. And you're going to not become a better person, but you're going to be part of something and you're you're going to make that something better. And that something is Suzuki-gun. Not New Japan. He doesn't care about New Japan. But no. Suzuki-gun gun is what he wants to improve. 
and that's why they're there. And they're all horrible people, and they prob probably wouldn't be wonderful wrestlers if it weren't for Suzuki-gun in storytelling. I'm not talking about their skills as wrestlers. Because I don't think that Suzuki-gun members would be as great if they were in chaos, for example. No. They, they work at their best in that particular environment. They're just right for it. Yeah, and, I, and that's what I like about them, because you've got, like, the, uh, let's look at heel factions. You've got the United Empire right now, mm. which is mostly money heels, like they're being bought to be there. And then you've got the Bullet Club, which I find Bullet Club difficult to put into a space like they're they're there for money and fame yeah I, and suzuki gun is there for a different reason suzuki gun is there to win yeah and why would you be a wrestler unless you wanted to win and to have suzuki win and to have suzuki gun win yeah like the focus like, is suzuki but suzuki expect expects excellence from them so if they're excellent, they also have to win in their matches well, without yeah. him. Yeah, it, it's it, it, that's it. It's like it's all about winning wrestling matches and winning titles. There is no other reason to exist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, whereas I don't think all of Bullet Club feels the same way. No, and I think Bullet Club has changed from its original definition as well. Like Bullet Club's original purpose was to protect Gaijin interests in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And then it became about something else under different leaders. Like the AJ Styles leadership was pretty much the same as the Prince Devitt leadership. There wasn't much difference. But the Kenny Omega leadership was all about Kenny and Cody and the books. And Popularity. their popularity and making the Bullet Club more famous and being more popular. And that's fine and everything, but it got away from where Bullet Club was supposed to protect gauging interest in New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is the reason why the firing squad got rid of them. And why Jay White came in and became the traditionalist leader of what Bullet Club was supposed to be about. And that's the thing about Bullet Club is Bullet Club evolves as a group, depending on who's in the group. I think it won't evolve anymore. I think it's in its final form, unless something comes along that's like epic for Gaijin. Yeah. Like they sign from the Suzuki Gun doesn't. <laughs> no, Suzuki Gun is consistent. It's always the same. You could say Chaos is pretty much the same and LIJ are the same, but Suzuki Gun are, there's a set of values there that. The, and there's a set of practice there that we are there to win everything. And all it's the time. also there's they're holding Suzuki up in a way. Yeah. And the longer they're in Suzuki Gun, the higher they get to be on the the pyramid of Suzuki Gun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> whereas that's not the same for Bully Club and Lij doesn't work that way either they're more we're helping each other be on the same level yes whereas if you follow the path of Minoru Suzuki you will win titles look at Desperado 
Look at Tai Chi. Look at. You'll be at the bottom bottom of the ring uh, rung for a long time, and you'll have to prove yourself. But eventually, you'll get there. Yeah, and it's just a matter of time, and the the leader will deliver, and he will make promises you can believe in, and yeah. that's 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 Minoru Suzuki as a character in, in wrestling. There are certainties in professional wrestling. Minoru Suzuki kicking your ass is one of them. And slapping you really hard. <laughs> slapping the taste out of your mouth. <laughs> That's also yeah. why I enjoy uh, watching him against Okada. Because mm. Okada is like the opposite of what Suzuki is. Yes. And, and I think that... Yeah. Sorry, Karim. No, you go ahead. I was going to say that's that's exactly it. Akada is Akada is very much North American wrestling in one sense. He wrestles like Nick Bockwinkel or Ric Flair or um, Nick Aldis in that sense too. He's like a classic wrestling champion. And he has very much a Lucha-inspired style because of his time with Ultimo Dragon. And he has a very much like... Uh, a King's Road style because like he's a great storyteller in that King's Road tradition. Um he's not really a strong style guy at all, is he? Whereas Suzuki's the embodiment of what strong style should be. Yeah, and, and there's also the that Suzuki kind of believes in you have to earn what you want. You have to start at the very bottom of Suzuki Gun and then climb your way up there if I let you. Whereas Okada kind of in, in storyline came in and was champion the moment he set foot in <laughs> New Japan. Yes. Which is also the opposite of what Suzuki believes in. Though if you'd seen his career in Impact Wrestling, you could argue that Okada pretty much paid his dues. Yeah, but in New Japan storytelling. Yes. He... The moment he set foot in New Japan in main events, kind of Okada. Yeah. He won. Yeah, he, and he beat, became the golden boy. He beat Tanahashi at the first attempt. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's not the way to do it in Suzuki's mind. You have to earn that spot. And Suzuki has probably earned that spot more than any other wrestler, I think. If you could think of any wrestler that has had a harder way of having a career than Minoru Suzuki, I don't think it's possible. But he's always been at the top of everything he's done. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I also, I want Suzuki to win the title, but also I think he's better as a threat than he is as champion. To me, at least. Yeah, I think he's that plug-in challenger, isn't he? You, like you said earlier, you can plug him into any situation and he makes a watchable match with anyone. You know, I dislike the idea of five-star matches because I think wrestling has got beyond the idea of rate ranking things like that. I think don't see the point. But if you look at the number of high four- and five-star matches that Suzuki has had, I would guess a lot of them haven't been with guys you would expect him to have four- or five-star matches with. He will have had them with Okada and Omega and a bunch of other people, but I can see him having a four-star match with Yoshihashi. Always. Are you being mean to Yoshihashi? How dare you? I'm not being mean to Yoshihashi. 
I will fight you. No, I'm saying between those guys that someone like Dave Meltzer wouldn't find fashionable. <laughs> okay. Um, but you see what I mean. You know, there. Are, I, again, I don't. I don't see what's considered all-time classics. There is no such thing. There are matches that appeal to you as a story, and there are matches that sell tickets, and those are the only two things that really matter. In my opinion, it's like because you access wrestling in a different way than I access wrestling. Yeah. So, I'm also talking about that. I'm curious which match was your favorite. Of these four? Mm-hmm. I kind of think Marafuji one edges it for me just because it's peak Suzuki. You know, he's he's main eventing, he's the champion, he's like you said, he goes into it with this blind arrogance of I'm a Noro Suzuki. Come dare beat me. And that that's kind of where I want Suzuki to be. I want Suzuki to be dominant. I want Suzuki to rip people's arms off. That's the Suzuki I want. As much as I love him wrestling Okada, and I love that match reaction, and I love that visceral kind of uh, interaction with the crowd that you get in the Copper Box match. And obviously I love watching Okada wrestle. I'd watch Okada wrestle a phone booth. But I think the Marafuji match, there is more of a point to the story. It's the end of a year-long story. Whether that story was any good for Noah or not is a different issue. That actual half hour of wrestling is outstanding, and it tells the story perfectly of what they were trying to achieve. And that's what's what makes it for me. Which was your favorite of the four? Well, actually, I agree with you. The Marafuji one was also my favorite. Why was that? Because it's a story. It's like... I know Marafuji and I know Okada, so it was always going to be either of those matches because I yeah. need that I need that knowledge going in. Yeah. And I knew the story about Noah and Suzuki Gun being there. I knew all of that. And mm. the story and the match uh, and the, the pressure that they were under, like it was very clear that everyone there wanted Marafuji to win. Yeah. And that just made it exciting like i i was sitting there i kind of knew the result but i was still sitting there nervous for marafuji <laughs> and I, yes. I i i know suzuki much better than i know marafuji so that uh, that tells you that they told the story really well yeah certainly so it was the third one and then the fourth one and then the second one and then the first one <laughs> No love for the shooty stuff. No, I'm sorry. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> that's why I'm um, here, to be the storyline girl. Yeah, that's fine. But I, to be honest, I probably agree with you, because as much as the Akada match was great, you probably could have had that match in Osaka and it wouldn't have made much difference. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, I also don't think that it was a storyline anything. Like It was just basically, we're going to London... We need a good main event. Yeah. Put a card out there. Who can you wrestle? Who can lose against him? Who will the fans be excited about? Oh, Suzuki. Yeah. Who's just had a month off and who's fresh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> ideal. That's it. And probably how they managed to persuade him on the idea of not being in the G1 that year. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, don't worry, you won't be in the G1, but you get a main event in London. 
okay. okay. Yeah, that'd be fine. I could do that. Uh, it wasn't his first trip to the UK either. He'd actually wrestled for W, uh, what culture professional wrestling? A ref bro as well. I've yeah, seen him a ref. Bro. Yeah. Have you met I'd, Suzuki, by the way? I have not met Suzuki, nor have I seen him wrestle in person, which is Ooh. the one thing I have. <laughs> I, I'm to the see. lucky one in this. You are, yes. Yes, there you go. These things he, was, he was really nice and he seemed really excited because I gave Desperado a drawing. And Aww. they were seated next to each other, like they had the shared tables. So Suzuki was like looking at everything that Desperado was getting up to. And Desperado <laughs> wasn't very popular at the time. Like, I remember the day before he wrote a hug me sign, free hugs. <laughs> Bless him. Because he was just so bored. He was like, no one was coming to him and they were all going to Suzuki next to him. Yeah. So he had a, a free hugs sign. And then the day after I went and I gave Desperado a drawing I'd made for him because he, at the time he was already one of my favorite wrestlers. Yeah. And I think Suzuki saw that and he's like, I like her. <laughs> she's not, <laughs> she's not, nice to my, my friend here who is not yes. very popular at the moment. So he's oh. like, Oh, how are you? How are you? And really friendly. And So I saw him wrestle in Altrincham. Uh, it's sort of Manchester for the WCPW company, mm-hmm. where they played Cozy Nina Ray and cut it off before the Cozy Nina Ray bit. How did Suzuki react? I don't know. Suzuki rolled with it, but I think I don't think they realised that like, they played the music, but didn't like the sound guy clearly didn't understand the reaction that they were after with that. <laughs> and just, they were like, "Oh, he's at the ring. Cut it." <laughs> yeah, he's he's in the ring now, and everyone just went. What? <laughs> <laughs> forgot the most important part of Suzuki's yeah. entrance. This is, I think, I think this is the thing. Is like if you think of iconic professional wrestling in, entrances, Akadas is up there, just because of the music is so good. But no one hits like Suzuki does in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Or no one has wrestling. proud participation the way Suzuki has. No. Or in pro wrestling generally, the only people who I've actually seen in pro wrestling who come close would be uh, The Undertaker and Sandman from ECW. Yeah, yeah. Because Sandman, because obviously Enter Sandman by Metallica, (laughs) um, helps the right song for the right guy at the right time. But also because The Undertaker had that iconic entrance you know, I can't. <laughs> someone said about like uh, Sandman in the '90s when his matches were really dreadful. It's like he's, but he's got that entrance, and that entrance <laughs> is half the match. That's why he's there. Yeah, Undertaker had some bloody awful matches in the '90s. None of it was his fault because he was wrestling 400-pound Bahamas that couldn't move, but he got stuck with them because there was no one else for him to wrestle. But the entrance, whoa, that entrance. Why do you need a match? Yeah. <laughs> And Suzuki has the whole package. He never has a bad match. And he has that entrance. I just love yelling it aloud. Of course you do. And that's what it's there for. Even though he's a heel, he is the right person to have the right music at the right time. And I also love it when it's foreign crowds because it's so obvious that they've been waiting like a year to to shout that (laughs) shit out loud. (laughs) Like like Japanese crowds can do it almost every week if they want to, but we're waiting like the one time Suzuki is here, the one time I get to shout that out loud and not feel like an idiot for doing it at home. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then especially, we're super loud. Especially, and also at smaller venues as well, like here yeah. you wrestle for OTT a lot in Dublin, in that small place that they wrestled in was maybe a thousand people in a, a nightclub. And it sounds deafening. And it sounds like everyone's on top of each other. And again, you wonder why we had a pandemic. <laughs> it, it does make me wonder how Suzuki feels at that moment, like especially the first time. Like imagine he hasn't been abroad for a while, yeah, and then he hears these foreign fans shouting that out loud, even though most of them don't even know what it says. Probably no, so but they know the right thing to do. They're shouting it along. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be. Especially as, especially as you are the man with the worst personality in the world, how did you get to be this popular? How did you get to become? And it's respect. People respect yeah. him for the career yeah. he's had. You know, even if nothing else, you were the king of Pancras. You were the guy that gave us modern mixed martial arts. You were the guy who put shoot style back into professional wrestling in the most realistic way. You are the guy who developed this character that is iconic in New Japan, Noah and AJPW. You've been the global honor crown champion, the triple crown champion. Uh, the only thing you haven't won is the IWGP heavyweight championship, you know, and you will forever chase that title no matter how old you are. It's yeah, it's, it's, he's just an icon and he's done it largely before he was 40 years old. The last 12 years have really been cruising at God level status. <laughs> So yeah. you anything else left to say on Minoru <laughs> no. Suzuki? No, that was actually the, the most perfect description ending story you can have because <laughs> that describes Suzuki perfectly. Okay, then. We shall leave it there. Thank you for listening to In the Beginning, The Making of the King. I would like to thank Christy for joining us today to discuss this incredible professional wrestler. Where can we find you on the internet, Christy? You can find me at Smark Infested on Twitter or NJPW Gifts. And you can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. You can find the Troopany Show channel at Troopany Show on Twitter and on Facebook at The Troopany Show and on Patreon, which is where this show will be going on our next episode. And there will be other Patreon opportunities as well. And that's where we will be exclusively. So thank you for listening to these first two shows. Please give us feedback on which formats you liked and which formats you think work best. And we will put them into our Patreon shows when we have the opportunity. And we will try and make it about once a month. But thank you for listening today. Take care, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Remember how we talked about it was never going to go an hour and 40 minutes.